You're tuning in to the Bookmatic's Best Book Podcast, where you will discover author secrets from books that'll make you feel, grow, and learn. These authors are from all over the world, all different backgrounds, and you are sure to learn a whole lot from their personal experiences. So please enjoy, subscribe, and let's get into it. Hi, welcome Bookmatic Lifelong Learners to the Bookmatic Best Book Podcast. We've got Deborah Burns, the author of Authorize It, uh, Think Like a Writer to Win at Work and Life. Welcome to the episode, Deborah. So happy to be here. And I know from uh, just a brief chat that you very much think like a writer yourself. So I'm oh, very cool. happy to be on your show. I'm glad that you uh, that you think like that, and I I also you know I really love reading about uh, reading books about writing, and that's what first caught my interest uh, from your book. Although it's not necessarily about writing, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your your book sure. and about yourself well, as well, and how you came to write it. Well, actually, I think we all know just from experience that. At work, in life, whoever tells the best story wins. And what I realized uh, when I wrote my first book, so my background in a, in a nutshell is magazine media, executive, uh, career there, ended up as chief innovation officer for a global publishing company when the world was imploding from digital. So we had to kind of reinvent what was coming next for the business that digital disrupted. And I realized at that time that I was gonna to have to reinvent myself too, because mm -hmm. looking out into the future, uh, no matter how wonderful the past was uh, in the magazine world, the future was gonna be very, very different. And I might not have a place in it. And so suddenly in all of that, I had this light bulb moment to write about the larger than life, very unconventional mother that I had lost more than 20 years before. I was an only child devoted to this um, otherworldly beautiful goddess whose pedestal I kind of revolved around my whole life. And that the loss of her as a, as a core center for me was never really filled. And I decided it was time to explore that relationship and maybe even some unresolved things that were a part of it. And that set me off on a seven year creative journey that was a parallel path to my day job and working and then starting my own consulting business, helping brands reinvent because everything needed to be rethought. And when it published, I realized that 
immersing myself into the literary world because I had a lot to learn to write that book. Mm -hmm. I was always a writer, but in a very different way. I was a journalism major in college, which meant I was wired for the headline. Mm -hmm. uh, I was a marketing person in my business life. So I was wired for the tagline to get people to, to mm -hmm. come on board. But unfolding a story for a reader is completely different. So I had to almost like switch the pen or switch hands. I had to learn how to do it differently. There was a lot of research. And I realized that there was so much wisdom in the world of literature that all writers know, but 98% of us who are never going to write a book don't know. And that was like a second light bulb moment for me. I felt that with my business background kind of mashed up with this creative journey that I took, I had a perspective that would allow me to take these abstract concepts and make them accessible for non-writers mm -hmm. so that they could shape their best stories to win at work. So in a nutshell, that's the background. And it's become my, my mission now to shift perspective for others and help people live up to their career potential. And if you asked me two years ago when the first book published, what would I be doing next? I wouldn't have been able to really answer that question with something concrete, mm -hmm. but I stayed at it. And in talking about the first book and crystallizing what those lessons were, and talking to companies that were in my uh, network from my background and presenting something eye-opening for them, I realized that I had um, stumbled into something that was very original and powerful for others. And now this is what I do every day, all day. I, mm. I, teach workshops uh, that are grounded by the principles in the book. I, I help companies and their brand story. Um, I help um, customer experiences. And it's fascinating. And it also um, is inspiring in the sense many people are searching for what to do and what to do next as we all kind of enter this new normal. You know, there's a now more than ever component <laughs> to all of this. Mm -hmm. For sure. So I yeah. know you read it and, um, and thank you for, uh, for reaching out to do this and for your recent posts. Um, and it seemed to resonate uh, with you and that's uh, what, what any author could, could hope for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a whole lot to take in in your book. There's lots of different frameworks and you talk about the hero's journey as well. Um, so how can, how can actually people 
frame their life like like a writer like it, that concept kind of sounds difficult so maybe you can well it's not summarize. necessarily framing their life like a writer it's adopting the techniques that writers use to make mm -hmm. people connect with their stories. So, mm -hmm. you know, the hero's journey is nothing new. It's something that's right. been around since Joseph Campbell first kind of codified it all many, many, many years ago. Um, it's the framework for every Disney movie uh, that's, yeah. uh, that's ever been made and is continuing to be made. And, you know, there are characteristics of every hero. They may not have them at the beginning of the story. In fact, most of them don't. But just like every story follows a narrative arc, um, I've distilled it into four predictable cycles that happen in stories, happen in movies, happen with every project at work have the same four cycles. And if you know what they are, and you know how to mix up the ingredients that will make them successful, you will be more successful. Mm -hmm. And at the same time that there's a character arc, uh, that there's a narrative arc, there's a character arc. Each one of us is evolving and learning, especially from the mistakes we make along the way. Mm -hmm. um, and ideally, we step into our best selves. The older we get, the smarter we get, um, and the more we can pay it forward uh, for others. So if you want to frame something for yourself from this, there are about eight essential characteristics of every hero or heroine. Um, and if you know what they are, you can begin incorporating them into your everyday life and especially your everyday life at work. And without any big announcement, if you start doing these things, you will see how you become more successful. And so that's the essence of this book. There are five key lessons that you need to know and then there's a workbook section at the end where you can pull it all together mm -hmm. in order to, as I said at the beginning, shape the stories that you need to tell to get you closer to yes, uh, to help you connect more deeply with others in the same way writers connect with their readers through their mm -hmm. characters. Um, and these are just, um, aha moments for people because once expressed it really makes a lot of sense I, I heard from a reader recently who said I it was so great to read your book because it just made so much sense to me you know I I've tried mindfulness and you know everything that everybody talks about all the time and it's so like esoteric, and these are very grounding uh, principles in the same way like the four tendencies, uh, you know, a much more of a, of a historical uh, point of view, but valid 
today, um, mind just happened to be translated from the world of story, which is how humans have evolved um, yes. to get to where we are <laughs> right now. Yes, for sure. And I, I can see from your book that you're a huge fan of acronyms, right? Yes. <laughs> your book is filled full of them. And um, that makes them actually pretty easy to remember, right? So which one is your favorite? If you could pick one, oh. what's your favorite? Well, um, I think I, I have two favorites. Uh, one is the read mm, yeah, that, of that course it's tied too. to the literary <laughs> world but it's the four steps to shaping any story in the first part you need to relate to something that both you and the person that you're talking to in business are experiencing you need to establish that in any way that you're comfortable with at the beginning and you have to state it in a way that conveys awareness of a particular problem. It all comes down to a problem. When you're at work, you know, you're the hero of your own story, but when you're at work, you're a supporting character and you can never forget that. Mm. You're helping someone else achieve something. Whoever that someone else is, your customer, your partner, your vendor, your client, you're helping them. Um, and so that's what you do in the relate part. There's something going on and you're both aware of it and it presents a problem, a complication, a situation. And then part two of read is E, ease. You're gonna say something lightly that's gonna ease whatever that problem is. And it's kind of like a little bit of an intrigue or that headline or something that you have something, you know something, you've created something that's going to help that situation. And the A in read is apply. Now, you don't want to put everything out there. It's just like unfolding a story in a book. You can't put everything in the first line. So you have to give people time to absorb what you're saying and to get a little emotional buildup about what kind of is coming next in what you're gonna say. And you apply it. So now you give a more concrete example about how whatever it is you want them to accept, you're going to show them how it works and how it could work for them. And the D in read is to deliver just like every story you've ever loved, you have to deliver a powerful ending. In work, make it a happy ending, right? This is not a French tragedy. You don't, you don't, wanna, you don't wanna confuse the issue. You have to deliver an ending to that conversation that is going to make the person feel they're better off with you than without you. And if you manage to prep for all of your business conversations, which are changing dramatically in the new normal that we're all in, if you do your prep work, you understand the storylines, you understand the, the person you're talking to, their business, 
their needs. There's always a lot of prep work at work. <laughs> yeah. um, if, if you understand all of that and you fill out in your own time um, how to approach it through a, a read uh, microscope or um, uh, just lens, uh -huh. um, when you have that conversation, you'll be more successful. So read would have to be my favorite. The, I, I won't explain the second one, but it's, it's close. <laughs> um, but I, I touched on some of it in explaining why read is such a powerful tool. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, that's actually my favorite one as well out of all of them, partly because I love books and read reminds me of books. So yeah, uh, it's, it's an awesome acronym. Well, it's a clever yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And I actually made a post about it on Instagram, right? So I saw that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> cool. So um, uh, some other questions for you here today uh, would be, uh, why, why did you decide to write Authorize It actually in the first place? Well, when I was talking to companies about it, I, I realized there was something here. I could feel it resonating with people. I had written an article for Thrive Global um, here in the, in the US uh, about those five lessons uh, that I learned about leadership and success that despite having been a chief innovation officer, I never knew until I wrote a book. And when I wrote about that, I could see how responsive people were to that. And then I was invited to speak at a company who had employees all over the world because they, they thought that there was something very interesting about my business background. And then I wrote this book that won awards. And how did that happen? And so I came in to talk to employees about these five concepts. And when I did, I realized in that same way, just from living life and business and all of that, I realized there's really something here. So I gave it a name. Always take something from the air and make it real. And that's how authorize it, think like a writer to win at work and life is born. Um, and then, someone who produces online courses for LinkedIn was very intrigued by it. Again, mm -hmm. thought it was original and different, could help people. And they produced an online course. They wanted to produce the online course for it. And I said, well, okay. Uh, but then I realized to create the course, I had to go much deeper and so I wrote the book because I thought it is uh, going to be easier to write the book and then distill it into a course module than writing a course module first. Mm -hmm. I needed to do the big thing and then distill it. And the pandemic was a silver lining. It, it actually, despite its horrors, the isolation gave me extra time to jumpstart the book. 
And so I wrote it over like a six month period and then backed up and did the course and filmed it during the pandemic as well. And so the, everything appeared probably a year to two years faster than it would have otherwise. But that's how it all came about. It mm -hmm. didn't start that way as a master plan. Things kind right. of came up on the journey that made me do more. Mm -hmm. um, and that continues to happen as I work with clients and teach workshops. Um, there's a particular need that a company may have, which creates another module because the content is very elastic. Like these principles can be applied in so many ways to help to make teams more dynamic, for example, which is a new module that just got mm -hmm. created um, out of the notion that people at work are very reluctant to express different points of view because they feel like they're going to be judged. But for a company, groupthink is awful. I mean, it, it, it hinders results. It, it delivers poor outcomes because no one's looking at the real right. whole story. They're only taking what, you know, is, is supposedly okay to say. And so in this dynamic teams module, using the principles of writers who are uber observers of life and non-judgmental, um, using that as the, um, the stake in the ground, here are 10 things you can do to make your teams more dynamic and whole. And it, all of a sudden, you know, if you told me a month and a half ago, this would be a new module, I, I didn't see it then, but it came out of uh, real challenges that companies are facing today. Mm -hmm. And as a result, I mean, that module may be the number one uh, workshop for the coming year, you know, so it continues to evolve and that's part of my own character arc and my own narrative arc you know it's not always smooth sailing there'll be a module that fails mm -hmm. but i'll learn from that yeah. and make the next one better yeah wow this is really an evolving service right that's sure it's very amazing that uh, the process that you went through uh, you know, even before you wrote the book and then got the book and you got the workshops and the, you said online course as well, right? Yes. Can yes. people find the that on LinkedIn or? Um, the online course is first going to be on a site called Gen, G-E-N, Connect U, capital U, the letter U, dot com. Com. Right, genconnectu.com. Mm -hmm. And um, they feed courses um, into LinkedIn through an approval process. So that's the next step. The, the course will, will launch on GenConnectU. Okay, great, great. I will uh, include the link for, for people who want to check that out in the description of this uh, video of this podcast. So yeah, definitely. Uh, that's a great opportunity to experience 
uh, your program. Uh, and yeah, yeah. Do, do you also, um, uh, through that online course, do you take any part in it or do you just film the videos and then have people? I feel, yeah, I, it is not an interactive one with me, like a corporate workshop or a college workshop. I do many for st students at, at different universities. So that's an interactive one with me. This mm -hmm. is a filmed course with workbooks and right. things that you can do at home uh, um, cool. to help you find own uh, and own your story to help you with the stories you need to tell at work. So okay. it's, it's a different kind of format. It's not like this. It is, um, you know, one to many. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. So um, I'm curious how, uh, how can thinking like a writer help improve people's lives? Well, um, you know, in, in short interviews like this, you can't go into too, too much detail, but <laughs> you know, some top line ones or some main areas are writers are uh, quest centric. There's a quest in the story. For a person, there's an intention that you have. There's your own quest. Whatever word you want to put to it, it's your intentional action. What do you want? What do you want to achieve? Um, and because they're quest-centric, they are not against something. They have to be for something to keep the story moving. And I think that that's a very subtle um, point that helps people see how in their own lives, there's a lot of negativity and there's always going to be outside forces coming at you with obstacles, conflicts, always, no matter what it is, there's always gonna be hardship. There are always going to be, to varying degrees, inner conflict, which sometimes is the worst kind of conflict because yeah. when you see your shadow on the street, it's caused by the obstacle that is you. And in, in, in many ways, we're, we're in our own way at work where this, no matter where we are, the same three things keep happening to us. And, and we need to examine that and do that work on ourselves. So by being quest-centric, um, I, I say, I think in the book that uh, in The Wizard of Oz, I reference it because it's a movie that everybody knows and probably has seen in their lives. You know, Dorothy ended up in this place and she could have stayed admired in the problem. I'm not in Kansas anymore. I'm in this strange land and she could have stayed there, but that wouldn't have made for a story. The story came when she became for going home and that being quest centric set her down the yellow brick road, had her meet her, her allies, mm -hmm. had her defeat, you know, all of the things happened because she was for something, she needed to achieve something. So thinking like a writer helps everyone to be more quest-centric. 
And uh, the second one I'll mention here is writers are always revising. The first draft of everything is terrible. Any book on that shelf behind you is probably draft 179 because it is a process of editing. Like life, writing is all in the editing. The first draft of Authorize It is not the book you held up. And when you have a writer's mindset, that makes you a seeker of continuous improvement. And that is a critical point in kind of like, all right, this is done. It's not done. We're constant. Everything is constantly changing. We're in a dynamic world. Rethinking and reassessing based on new information and things that you've learned in your life is critical to success. And a writer has that. And hmm. so I'll leave you with those two points. There are many more, but I think those yeah. two are really important yeah, takeaways. Mm -hmm. Amazing, for sure. Uh, and, it, you know, the way that I also look at it with writing uh, or just thinking like a writer is it's a very reflective process. Sure. Right. Very reflective process. And uh, I think you do touch a little bit on that in your book as well uh, about reflection, right? Sure. My first book yeah. came with reflecting on the relationship, maybe for the first time with a really hard look at the woman I worshipped and idealized. Mm -hmm. And when you grow up with that kind of idealized view, there's usually some sort of wound that's in there that you're trying so hard to, um, to heal. Uh, my mother uh, was kind of emotionally elusive to me my whole life. I didn't necessarily feel like her priority. I saw her mostly on Saturdays. So she's this looming figure who kind of comes in and out of my life. Um, and it, she was always being chased by me. And I really had to, as an adult, take a hard look at what was underneath that relationship. And there were all kinds of kinds of revelations that came through that whole process. And there are things I know today that I never would have known had I not delved in and reflected and wrote that first book. Um, so that kind of look back on what shaped you, what forces shaped you, and what shaped the people who shaped you, which is critical. And to do it as without um, shame or blame or resentment, to just kind of take that objective look at what was going on for, for you. Usually all the reflection goes back to childhood for everyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, may not be the exact same situation as my own. Mine was kind of unique, but you have one. 
I don't know you. We live on opposite sides of the planet. I may never meet you, but I know that somewhere in there, there's something from when you were three years old that's guiding your actions today. And, yeah. you know, reflecting on what that is and trying to keep it high level so that you don't sink into um, how bad it was or how unfair it was. Because in reality, whatever that wound might be for you is why you're sitting here today and enlightening people. Uh, my mother may have been uh, a tad narcissistic, but having a mother that I chased my whole life gave me a lot of traits that played very well for me at the office. I was a great team player. I loved making someone else shine. I didn't have to be number one. I loved being number two, actually. Being in there um, and helping. And, um, you know, it's, it's powerful. It made me intuitive. Whatever mm -hmm. natural intuitiveness I had, I'm more so because I was always trying to figure her out maybe inventive because ooh, if I didn't keep her entertained, maybe she wouldn't want to see me next Saturday. You know, so there's, there's, I, we could stay again in the quest mode. We could stay mired in the problem. Mm -hmm. Certainly it's not a good thing not to feel fully loved or like somebody's priority, but I'll leave that to the experts in my experience when you reflect on it, I saw all the positives. And if I didn't have her for a mother, it's almost like we were meant to be together. I wouldn't have become the person I became and I wouldn't be sitting here with you today. Yeah, yeah. We, we were brought to together because of all these different things all these, that, all uh, these wounds. that happened in <laughs> Yes. It's, it's all these books, yeah. yeah. For sure. All these books and all these wounds, uh, yes. whatever they books are, that's what made us come here. Everybody's overcoming something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's the one of the major points that I that I personally connected with uh, with your book. Um, that reflective, uh, you know, when you were talking about Saturday's child. Uh, and now I know why you called it Saturday's Child, because yes, that was yes. when you saw your mother, right? The most. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So when you wrote about that in, in Authorize It, uh, I, you know, I connected with that. And that's one of the reasons why I personally also want to check out your, uh, your other book, your first book. Well, uh, thank you. You really thank caught you. my... It's a great summer that. read. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You really caught my interest. And I think it's what, only uh, what? $14 or something like that? On well, Amazon, Kindle, Amazon has the ability when they work with publishers and, and, um, and all books, you give them the right to change pricing as they right. see fit, but, but the author and the publisher then gets paid on the list price. So mm -hmm. I don't know what price it is today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't watch that anymore. I used to, um, but it is a, an excellent, um, I think I, I put the, a copy here because I knew yeah. we were going to be talking. Um, it is a, a wonderful award-winning uh, read and it's a mother-daughter story. And I know one thing about every woman, not every woman's a mother, 
but every woman is a daughter. Mm -hmm. And this is the book to read. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Very nice. So I'm, I'm going to check that out, post about it and, and stuff you, like Matt. that. Hopefully other, the listeners and watchers will check it out as well, as well as authorize it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And, you know, you, you also talk about stepping into the unknown, which, you know, we kind of touched a little bit on uh, experiencing and stepping into the unknown. Uh, so, yeah, can you talk a little bit about that? Maybe the tactics and the strategies, maybe one or two tactic sure. strategies for stepping out into the unknown? Well, um, that's one of the five lessons, the fifth lesson. And like <laughs> it is a story without stepping into the unknown is not a story. Because if you don't do something new, that's where the new awaits. You have to move forward. Some people think about it as, you know, they get overwhelmed by concepts um, like get out of your comfort zone and don't live in an, And people think they have to dive off a cliff into treacherous water to step into the unknown. And that's not it at all. All it means is just like the hero or the heroine of a story, something changes in your landscape that sets you down a new path. And in order to go down that new path, you have to take a step into something that's unfamiliar to you. That's all it means. It doesn't have to be any grand, scary thought. It could be, I drink coffee, let me see what tea is like if I start my morning with that. And now I'm making it too simplistic, but you know what I mean. It doesn't have to be this gigantic looming thing. Right. And when you step into the unknown is when things start to happen. Just like a lot of what we're talking about. I didn't know two years ago about, or a year and a half ago about this next book. I didn't know about this module that's coming up that all of a sudden is in demand. Um, uh, things happen along the way because I took a leap and stepped into the unknown, even though I didn't know where I was going. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. You have to learn how to deal with uncertainty and to say, it's okay for me not to know what the ending's going to be. Because again, if you go back to a story, you don't know. Sometimes the writer doesn't even know what the ending's going to be because as the writer is writing, the characters, uh, I'm talking about fiction here, but the, the characters dictate where they're going when the writer gets in the zone. Uh, sometimes they do know, you know where they want it to end up, but in life, you don't know. So there's always uncertainty. And I think people are afraid to step in because even if they suspect that there's serendipity there, they also know one scary thing, there's risk. And people avoid risk at all costs mm. because it's risky. You don't, again, you, you don't know. And so risk is really tied to your fear of failure 
the more afraid of failure you are, the more risk is going to loom very large. And so that would be like the one takeaway from stepping into the unknown um, and allowing yourself to more easily do so is reframe how you view failure. Mm -hmm. um, I read recently, it's a celebrity, oh, um, I was going to say Angelica Houston, but it actually is the CEO, Sarah Blakely, who invented Spanx, which I don't know if they're where you are, but they have taken over women's uh, lingerie underwear. And her story of how she invented that product is so inspirational. And when she tells a childhood story, her father asked every one of the children every night at dinner, what did you fail at today? And if you didn't fail, you weren't trying. And if you weren't trying, nothing new was going to happen. And that embedded in her at an early age, the ability to step into new things and to assess risk, but not be held back by it. So that would be my step into the unknown takeaway is mm -hmm. reframe how you view failure, fail fast, learn. Um, and I, I call it, it's not my own uh, thing. A lot of people say the same thing, fail forward. Right. That in, when I was a chief innovation officer, that was the key. Fail forward, fail forward, fail forward, because you're always learning something new that's going to inform what you're doing along the way. Mm. And the unknown is actually more fun because you really don't know what's coming next. So, yeah. you know, you just have to embrace the positivity of it. Mm -hmm. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, so we've covered a lot of great and interesting things during this episode. I hope that the people watching and listening have uh, thoroughly enjoyed it and got a lot from it. Uh, is there too. anything else that you would like to uh, add for this episode? Anything that, uh, that you're dying to say? Want to um, get out there? Well, you know, I like to end things on an inspirational note. And sometimes I hear feedback from people uh, oh, well, you could do it because you're so creative or you're this or you're... And what I say in response is the second before any idea ever hit, it wasn't there. So the same thing can happen to you. And I think it happens because... I have always been open to possibility and to the plot twist. And when you're open and you're kind of inhaling the things around you, you will over time be able to exhale something new for yourself and leverage all the building blocks of your own career that have come before, even the mistakes, even the wrong job you took, you know, whatever it is, and I say wrong in quotes because it really wasn't wrong. It all combines and like a, like a boggle game or scrap, you can, re, you can shake them up and recombine things in new ways if you stay open to possibility. And when an idea hits 
act on it. Make it real, see it, feel it, live with it. Um, and that may help your own stories to be the stories you want to tell. Mm -hmm. True. I like that. When an idea hits, act on it for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. What usually I write my ideas down. As you said at the beginning, I'm, uh -huh. I'm a writer. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, writing your ideas down definitely and then act on them. And revise them. Agree. Keep improving them. You yeah. know, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be fully formed. It, it needs that continuous improvement mindset and that editing revising mindset. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's part of the process. That's what makes your book so, so special is it talks about all these aspects and uh, they're very useful and helpful. Lots of frameworks, lots of acronyms. Uh, <laughs> that's amazing. So uh, where can people buy your book and connect with you? Well, um, it's available wherever books are sold online, and that's the easiest for everyone right, right now. Uh, people can connect with me uh, on Instagram. Um, I, are you posting like uh, handles in the notes for this? Or? Yeah, sure. I'm going to post yeah. links. Uh, that yeah. way people can directly click on them and just follow you sure. and connect with you. Yeah. The website is deborahburnsauthor.com. Uh, so you can find out more about me, the books. You can send a note through there. Um, social media, LinkedIn is a, um, is a big one. Um, so you can find me uh, on LinkedIn and connect. Uh, send me an invite and connect there as well. And I hope uh, that the book does help. I will end with um, in a career of lots of hard work and lots of, this is the most meaningful, impactful work I've ever done. So I'm very grateful that I took some chances, considered chances um, and acted and went with it because there's a lot of emotional reward now all of this may not be as lucrative as my chief innovation officer days were uh, but there's a tremendous amount of emotional reward and emotional uh, abundance when you when you see in these workshops and you hear from readers how the book is impacting uh, people's lives and what more can any person ask for? You know, yeah. it, it's, uh, it's, it's very, um, it's a heart moment for me, for sure. Mm -hmm. Exactly, for sure. Cool, great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. My We've pleasure. had a great conversation. It's, it's been really good connecting with you through Instagram and everything, uh, sharing reading your book and sharing about it. So thank you so much, Deborah. And thank you too, Matt. Yep. All right. Have a great day and okay. I'll see everyone in the next episode.